Welcome, friend, to the Move Your Heart podcast. This is the show where you can come in unashamedly, just as you are. Fully you in how you think, how you feel, how you're living your life at this exact moment, no matter what that looks like. What I've suggested to you is that you bring in your whole heart, for your heart is your home for your thoughts, your feelings, and your will to do what you do. I'm your host, Val Brown, and today we're going to talk about the God who sees me. So come on in. Let me ask you, have you ever asked yourself those big questions in life? The who am I? Why am I here? Does my life matter? Does anybody really care to know who I am? And if they did really know who I am, would they accept me as I am? These are all really big questions, and they're actually needs from the deepest part of us, very human needs, to know that we do matter to somebody, that our our life is significant, and we need to to feel that value and to feel validated in that um, value in someone else's eyes. But as deep as that need is, it can be as elusive as a needle in a haystack. And on my website, you will find an article that I wrote, and it's called The Search for Significance. And if you're interested in that, you can go to www.moveyourheartministries.com, and you will find that blog post. But let me ask you, where do you find yourself in life today? Does your life speak to you that you are significant Is your significance wrapped up in your life? Is it that uh, you have enough output or impact to be valued in somebody's eyes? And what if something happens and you feel like your value just slipped? What if you make a mistake? Do you feel downgraded? So many of us are perfectionists and we really get our value in how we're performing, and what others think of us. And that can be a really risky place because it's so changeable. It's just like the tide uh, coming in and out. It's, it's just very elusive. So we can't find our significance in really who we are in ourselves or what we can do or what others think of us. But those thoughts make us feel very real emotions. So we can feel less than, we can feel unneeded, unwanted, again, worthless, and we can feel that there's no hope. It can feel like we're climbing up out of a hole so that we can come up to of everyone else. And just when we seem to get there, the rules have changed. So to to find our value and our significance and a risky when we're, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. But I want to suggest to you that your life does have value and your life does have meaning and your life does have purpose. And perhaps you haven't heard that before, or perhaps you've felt that you're never going to find what your purpose is, 
I remember feeling like that for a very, very long time. Even at 40 and 50, I was, I was still questioning, what do I want to be when I grow up? In other words, I was still looking for my purpose. And, uh, I know throughout the the podcast episodes, you're going to uh, understand what that looked like for me. And I believe I can encourage you because I have found that heart rest and I didn't find it because I kept changing or evolving, but I came to find my value in God. So I want to share a little bit uh, about those things today. I want to begin with a story that comes from the Bible, our character, her name is Hagar. And Hagar, as it says in um, Genesis chapter 16, she was a maidservant to a 75-year-old woman who was married to an 85-year-old man. And it just so happens that the 85-year-old man named named Abram was approached by God and God selected him to make a great nation out of him. And we know that great nation by the name of Israel. God promised that he would be a great nation. Here we are 10 years later when we meet them in this particular section of the Bible and Abram and his wife Sarai have no child. So it was beginning to look impossible. What 75-year-old woman and 85-year-old man do you know that are becoming parents? Their bodies were worn out, and we do read about that later on um, in the next chapter. But Hagar is our point for today. So let's look at uh, chapter 16 of Genesis. And it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she, meaning Hagar, saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her, meaning Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said to Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. 
And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. And skipping down to verse 13, it says, So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. And that's where the name El Roy was first spoken. And it says, For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. So here we have this servant girl who was not acting very nicely to her mistress. She was she was given to Sarai's husband. So we don't know what that would make her feel like. I would not feel good about that at all. But Abram was a very rich man and a, a man of high stature. So I tend to believe that she became very proudful in her heart because it says that she looked with contempt. So in other words, she was looking with with um, scornful eyes, uh, judgmental eyes, like I'm better than you. I gave your husband the child that you could not give him. So that did not sit well with Sarai, as we can see in this story. So um, it says that she fled from her mistress, and then she found herself not knowing where she was going to go or what she was going to do. And in her desperation, she cried out to the Lord, and the Lord did see her, and he said, you are pregnant, and I'm going to make this great nation out of you. So he saw her in her desperation, he made promises to her, so she was elevated in um, her own eyes, too. And then she did go back to Abram and Sarai, her um, her mistress. But uh, the story uh, goes on, and there's a little bit more drama in Hagar's life. But what we want to concentrate on today is the God who sees me. And getting back to our need for significance, we can look at Hagar, and she had a despised position. She was a servant. She would have been told what to do and when to do it, and she wouldn't have rights. No matter how kind-hearted Abram and Sarai could have been to her before Sarai um, you know, uh, was was scorned and probably the treatment changed there. And it does say that Abram found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And Sarai is named as uh, like a mother of faith. So I've got to presume that uh, this wasn't her disposition always. But um, Hagar found herself in a very bad way. But uh, God saw her. And again, El Roy is a name of God. So that tells us this is who he is. That's what happens in the Old Testament when we see the names of God. Another one is Jehovah Jireh, and that is the God who provides. In other words, he, he sees the need and he provides, and he's called love. So we know um, that's who he is in his character. So I want you to know that exactly where you are today, God sees you. You've never been out of his sight. And he knows everything that's happening in your life today. And he he can 
understand your emotions. Whenever Jesus uh, came to earth, he lived as a man and so that he could fully identify with us in our humanity. And he felt emotions, very raw emotions. He felt anger and he felt great sorrow and anguish of mind. So I want you to know that God is a God who understands and he made our emotions. Certain emotions came about because of sin entering into the world. There wouldn't have been any sadness or any cause for fear or anxiety. Those things did enter with the fall of Adam and Eve when they uh, disbelieved God and chose to uh, disobey him and and uh, really honor the word of the serpent who came to them, suggesting that God wasn't good. But nevertheless, God does understand our emotions, and he doesn't hold us in contempt. He wants us to be very, very honest with where we are. As I said, our heart is um, the home for our thoughts and our emotions and our will to to do what we do. So we want to bring to God all of us. We don't want to mask and we don't want to hide anything in our hearts because whenever we open our hearts to God, then we can receive help. And that's what I've found. Whenever I'm honest with where I am in life, no matter how raw or how ugly my emotions are, when I cry out to God, he has come to me and I have known his sweet presence, just like Hagar in her desperation would have felt so significant that the angel of God and we have every reason to believe that this was God himself because promises were made to Hagar and they absolutely came true. So what what an amazing, amazing thing that this servant girl who was behaving so badly uh, would meet with with the face of God and find comfort in her distress and have direction to go back to your mistress and that there would be such hope for her future. Such, such an amazing thing. But I also want to talk about, about you and me and just how uh, fully known that we are. We have a, a word in Luke 12, 7 that says, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. And think about how the hairs on our head are, are always changing. I don't know about you, but... Uh, Whenever I'm washing my hair in the shower and I first start to, to scrub my head, all of a sudden I'm beginning to feel the hairs on my hand and then let the uh, shower water run over my hands. And then all of a sudden I have this uh, little mound of hair that just goes to the, the bottom of the tub. And I think, oh, my gosh. Uh, and I have a pretty thick head of hair, too. So it's not like I'm losing hair and I'm noticing it. I'm just not. But God does notice whenever a single hair falls from my head. And he knows you that well. And I I want to read a psalm to us. And this psalm has meant so much to me. It it really is written by a man named David. 
and David is referred to as the God after, I'm sorry, the man after God's own heart. And David was definitely as fallible as Hagar in our, in our story. Um, the man uh, did some really, really rotten things. And one of the things that he did is that whenever he was in his, uh, his palace home, he was up higher and he looked down into his courtyard and he saw um, a, a gal named Bathsheba, a very beautiful woman, woman bathing. And he looked lustfully on her and he had the power to send her husband Uriah into battle. And that's exactly what he did. And he told the, um, I imagine probably the sergeants, he said uh, to put Uriah on the front line and Uriah was killed in battle. But uh, this was after he had taken Bathsheba and had sexual relations with her. And uh, it, it's a very twisted story. It talks about him bringing Uriah home for the from the battle so that he could have uh, sexual relations with his wife and Uriah wouldn't do that. So that's why he had him killed. But uh, that's not the only thing in, in David's life. He, he uh, was a very raw human being in his emotions too. He talked about when he was anxious and when he was angry and uh, he always went to God though. And he, he knew who his God was. He knew where to go for help and he honored God. So that's why he was the man after God's own heart. And when he did sin, he did cry out and he, he admitted his, his sinfulness and God did cleanse him. So it's the same with us. And when I say we can come to God just as we are, we can be like David and bring ourselves fully to him, knowing that we're not going to be cast away when we're being honest and we want to have that cleansing and to be fully known by God. So in this psalm, um, at, we're going to get um, toward the end of it, and we're going to hear a little bit of David's heart. And it seems like it's plopped in just at the wrong place because it's such a, a beautiful psalm. And then all of a sudden you hear this major complaint from David. So we'll, uh, you'll recognize that when we hear it. But the psalm really talks about how we are fully known by God. And this is where we're going to find help today. So I hope you'll listen to it now. David begins, he says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern, or understand, my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which is the place of the dead, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, for night is bright as the day, for darkness 
is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. And here's David's complaint. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. And then he goes back. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That concludes our psalm. You can hear his heart, how zealous he is for God, that he uh, counts the wicked as God's enemies. And he says that because they're, they're your enemies, they're also my enemies. And he's, he's um, calling God to come against them. But even in that, he's saying, search me. So he, maybe there's a little bit of little, little conviction the state of his heart, like maybe I shouldn't have this hatred in my heart. But he does conclude it by saying, search me on, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Search my heart. Again, our heart is how we think. It's what we're feeling and the will that drives us into actions. So he's laying his whole heart before God. But also what we read in the Psalms is that God was there as we were being formed in the womb, when we were unformed in our substance, and then there was one cell, and then the, then the two cells that joined together, and then groups of cells, and and uh, um, tissue and organs that formed and structure. God was there for every part of it. And David says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And he says of God's work, wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. So in his, in his mind, he knows fully well that uh, he's a wonderful work of God. And this is why this psalm has been so precious to me. Whenever I have felt that I... I didn't measure up or felt that uh, I was insignificant 
or when I felt like I just needed to be affirmed that I have value, that that I am a wonderful work in spite of what I was seeing in my own life, this psalm just uh, draws me back again and again and again. And it also lets me know that I'm always in the presence of God. So I hope that this psalm also tells you that you are always in the presence of God. So won't you today call yourself a wonderful work of God? Because really, no matter how messed up your life has become, at your very core, you have value before God. No matter what you've done or where your life has taken you, there is a way to God, and that way to God is through Jesus, where we could not make ourselves clean enough to be in the presence of God. Jesus hung on the cross and died for us and died as us, so that as we accept the sacrifice, that when we think about Jesus hanging on that cross, and we say, Jesus, I know you hung on that cross for me, and took the punishment that I deserved, then we can also see ourselves not only crucified, but we can see our old selves buried with him. And Jesus rose from the dead, and he went into heaven, on our behalf, his blood is in the heavenly places on our behalf, and his blood speaks not guilty for anyone who will come to God through him. So that's uh, to let you know that you can get to God. But our, again, our main focus is to know that our lives matter. And doesn't that speak of how much our lives matter, that Jesus would come in the flesh, God himself? So it wasn't uh, like him appearing to Hagar, where he just gave her an encouraging word and some some direction, but actually he came as our rescuer. So what value our lives have? So as uh, as we are concluding here, I want to remind you that there's no place that you can go from the presence of God. If you are in dark places, he is there. If you're lost like Hagar was, he is there. If your life has no value eat because of what you've done, you think you could never be good enough or you could never um, have significance in any person's eyes, I want to tell you that even if you have significance in no one else's eyes, you have value and significance in the eyes of God. So the way to God and the uh, way to um, bring your heart in is through Jesus to say, God, I don't deserve to come to you, but I hear that you've made the way for me. So I'm coming just as I am, just as I am, and I'm trusting that you're going to meet me there. And friend, I want to give you a, 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 a scripture verse, and it says that exact thing. And it's written in the book of James in the Bible, and it's chapter 4 and verse 8. And it's simply this. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So we don't have to do enough good works to cover up for the wrong that we've done. We're to come exactly as we are with our whole heart.
So today, friend, I pray that your heart has been encouraged to know that your life does have significance, that someone sees you and actually is the most important in, in person in this entire universe. It's your very own creator who sees you and he looks upon you with compassion, knowing that, uh, you know, it's it's just the way of humans that we would we would mess up and that we would sin and we would do things that we would be ashamed of and feel guilt over but we don't have to stay like that so friend you don't have to stay like that either so if you if you uh don't mind i'd like to pray for you and i would ask that as i'm praying these words that you would bring your your heart to god so that he could search your heart just like he did david's so bow your heart if you will at this moment father god i come to you with my friend father i am no better than anyone, and yet you looked kindly upon me, and you forgave my sins, and you convinced me that I have value in your eyes, and so it is for every person, Lord. So for this one who feels exactly what they feel, whether it be insignificance or or uh, dirtiness or shame or contempt for themselves, or if they've not been affirmed by another single person, Father, you look with kindness upon this one, and you want this one. And friend, if you're hearing, if you're feeling the draw of God on your heart, let that be a confirmation to you that God indeed is drawing you and saying, I want you. So all you need to do at this moment is to say, here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. Take it all. Take all of me. Take all of me in my messed up thinking. Take all of me in my messed up inner being. Take all of me in all the bad acts that I have ever committed. And wash me clean and make me acceptable in your sight. And friend, I promise you that he will do just that. So as we close today, once again, I want to invite you to bring your heart to God exactly as it is. If you will, if you will but move your heart toward God, He will absolutely move His heart to you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for joining me.